Now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, of course, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch two episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So, of course, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get a podcast at, rate us, review us, all that jazz. You know, all the logistical shit that I tell you to do. Interact with us. We need those interactions wherever you get a podcast at. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like Antarctic giveaways. I'm your host as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist on most internet platforms. Joining me as always, my partner in crime, my go-to, Mike P-Pack. Mike, what's good? What's going on? And stranger... Why don't you tell people what we've been playing? Normally, it's... And, and, and I'm still going to ask you, you know, what you've been playing, obviously. I'm sure a little bit of Diablo 2 and whatnot. But what have we been playing, finally? All three of us, you, Adam, myself. What have we recently just played through for the first time in what feels like probably, like, what? A decade? Yeah, it, it's been... if it's, and Nobody's going to know this fucking game, either. <laughs> I, I don't know that it's, like, necessarily been a decade, but if, it, if it feels it's not like officially it, 10 years, it's close. We, but, we're rounding up in this case, probably. <laughs> yeah, which is okay. But um, for me, it's actually been a, mit- a mixed bag overall, so there will be more, a little bit more to talk about than normal as far as my gameplay is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, Diablo 2 still in their rotation, probably not as heavy as, like, the first couple of weeks of Ladder, but I'm still... Um, farming some things and, and playing um you know looking for some goodies yet uh it's one of my favorite parts of the game is just like basically magic finding finding whatever gear i can like mm-hmm. super rare stuff it's almost like a i guess it's like a form of gambling um so a little bit of diablo 2 um a little bit of hunt showdown still in my rotation not that heavily but um whenever i'm in the mood to shoot something i'm still playing that um still enjoying it heavily so um that's good um I, I gave the Halo Infinite uh, update that just went live yesterday, which would have been mm-hmm. Wednesday the 25th. Mm-hmm. I was um, a little impressed with just the fact that they resolved the gun jamming issue. Mm-hmm. Um, again, some people might laugh uh, and say, like, that's kind of crazy because that probably shouldn't have occurred anyway to begin with. And I would agree with you. Um, but at least, like, one okay update is a step in the right direction. We don't have to talk about the new map or the new King of the Hill changes, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They got the game back to a state where you can at least shoot your gun at people, which seems essential for a shooter. So we'll take <laughs> the positives there. Um, but the most important thing that you know we played uh, to completion and started is two beautiful, beautiful um, point-and-click adventures from the 90s, mm-hmm. uh, one being... Uh, Dust, A Tale of the Wired West. You might have heard us talk about that game before. Um, designed by or uh, created by a company called Cyberflix that is no longer in business. They are very um, much dead. They're they're very dead. But um, <laughs> you know, it it kind of reminds me 
um it's it's a lot more linear than the tail like the telltale games but if you've mm -hmm. ever played the telltale games you would think of this game as its great grandfather or uh grandparent or um you know just their like the grandparent because um to be honest you know i see a lot of similarities in in that genre the point and click versus like quick time event choices that you make mm -hmm. um dust to tell the wired west is is pretty linear in its progression in that you can't move on in the game unless you hit certain objectives that will prevent you from moving forward mm -hmm. um so the only thing that you can really do in that game is you can get to a point where you're in a, a showdown with an outlaw i don't want to spoil it too much because if you dig a little hard um you know, we own the software. I think Adam has a copy and I might also have a copy. And if I don't, I need to add it to my collection, but we own the software. So um, I don't, I don't want to say like, you know, how we got it because some people might frown upon that. But um, basically like, if you look hard enough, you'll find dust tail, the wired West. It has an entry on, on GOG, um, you know, for, for it to get updated and run on windows 10, or at least just be able to run. Um, the game's a lot more uh, linear in the fact that you can't really get to a point where you're basically up a creek without a paddle. Um, you can get to a point where you're about to go against one of the antagonists of the game, and you won't know all the information to get past that part. Um, but nevertheless, uh, it's a really interesting world where kind of takes place in, the, in a fictional um, location called Diamondback, New Mexico. You're there in 1882. Um, you show up after running out on a poker game that you stabbed an outlaw in the hand over because he was cheating and he shoots at you. So you're kind of on the run and you just kind of run into this place called Diamondback, New Mexico, where uh, the stagecoach comes only every couple of days. There's no train stop. You're just kind of stuck there and you kind of have to make your way through um, the town. Um, they did a really good job with storytelling in this game, in my opinion. Um, there's a there's not a ton of moving parts. You have to understand. I mean, it was made in 1995, but there's enough there to keep you interested. And it's one a timeless classic that I think this friend group will always go back to. Mm -hmm. And the other game that we started is actually purchasable on steam, believe it or not, because it did get uh, revived through good old games. And that is called Titanic, a tale. Um, is it Titanic, a tale out of time yes. or yeah, a tale out of time. And it's adventure also out of time. Made, adventure out of adventure time. Out of time yeah. Sorry. And it's also made by Cyberflix, And it is like a, a predecessor to the original, like dust, a tale of the wired West where you know, if if you heard the title, you might guess, but you're on um, the Titanic. You are a, um, a like a an agent in the uh, British government, like a like a like I guess it would be similar to like M M sixteen or M I six from uh, like Bond or something. Mm -hmm. it, it's just like uh, you're kind of like a special agent, like a spy, and you're on the boat with a with a German, and you know. Uh, it's kind of actually right before World War One would break out and Britain and, and Germany both saw it coming. So you're kind of trying to get information for the British military through this being on this boat with a German. And it's a really interesting game that, uh, you know, quite frankly, um, is I, I prefer dust because there's a lot more dead ends that you can hit in Titanic where you can get to points where like you all of a sudden can't progress anymore because you didn't you didn't do thing within a certain time constraint or you ran out of time um, to complete an objective. 
So with that part uh, involved, you could have a lot of like playing through to a certain point, getting stuck and having to restart the game all over again because you don't know how far back your save is is no good anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, uh, you know, again, these games are fantastic. Uh, they didn't age well in the graphical department. So if you're a stickler for graphics, you might want to skip them, I guess. Maybe watch a Let's Play on YouTube of them. Um, but overall, just really happy to, you know, get a way to be able to play these two timeless classics that, uh, you know, me and Adam kind of grew up with, uh, you know, we, we definitely brought you into the fold with it. And mm-hmm. I mean, me and Adam have played through at least dust a, a, a lot of times. And there were a lot of times where we got to a point where when we were kids, we, you know, couldn't quite figure out how to beat it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it was still in that age where like, it wasn't necessarily that easy just to Google the answers. Um, so, you know, it, we spent a lot of time as kids growing up with these games, and I got to be honest, like playing it in 2022, a game that was made in 1995, um, you know, it it felt just as good as when we played it as when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a little bit better when we were kids, obviously. You kind of have those nostalgia gla- goggles, um, but overall was really happy to be able to get our hands on those two games. Yeah, well, and I definitely agree to a point because, um, you know, we even kind of talked about that recently with... Uh, a couple of different topics where like that nostalgia factor does come up in how we kind of approach a lot of games like I know there is some like there's some jarring effects whenever I talk about oblivion to people and people go and have that first you know judge a book by its cover (laughs) moment or they have that moment where they're playing it and they're like I don't know if I can get into this because I didn't play this right at you know I don't have that nostalgic attachment or I don't have that ability to turn off the you know, kind of, or put on the blinders a little bit when it comes to some of the jarring, you know, graphical uh, uh, things with that game. And just just as an example, but um, at the same time, though, like to me, though, this game's a perfect example of really being, I think, ahead of its time in terms of its approach to narrative, its approach to interacting with that narrative and really environmental storytelling um, mm-hmm. that I think it's a it's a game obviously of its time in terms of this is akin to a monkey island game it is akin to a full throttle uh a grim fandango um like you know a double fine uh you know even lucas studios type experience that you're gonna get and you know i think it i think these games from cyberflix should be really i think in that same conversation of when you talk about the rise and love and you know long lasting love of adventure narrative games like that usually tend to be point and click adventures um you know these should be thrown into there because they really were doing i think a lot more they tried to blend more of the actual like cuz they use i uh, i can't remember what the actual approach is called when you take you know pictures of somebody and actually like and it's almost like stop motion with pictures but not yeah. like video it's it's like fmv but not really like it's really hard to kind of pinpoint down how you want to exactly how you would exactly like call it but it's a blend of pixelated 3d early 3d and actual like stop motion with pictures in a way but um i think they only only um like they only uh what's the word animated their mouths mm-hmm so it's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> but um 
That, yeah, but definitely. That's, like, that's the charm to it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it didn't have a lot of commercial success even. So it's no. kind of a it's super niche, um, not to be like hipster or anything like it's super something like in that type of realm with like media today. You might mm-hmm. consider someone a hipster uh, if they liked mainstream stuff like this. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the people that have played it in the past I see a lot of sentiment, whether it be in YouTube uh, comments about the game or just in general, whenever looking at like the, the good old games entry for it, mm-hmm. people looked at this game very fondly um, yeah. and they had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And, and two, I want to give a shout out to Night Dive Studio who did handle this. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people probably have heard that, especially too, if you're on the PC side, have probably heard of Night Dive from the fact of they're the ones who now own the System Shock IP who were in the process of remaking the original System Shock and doing their own iteration on that. Um, But they're known for basically taking Abandonware and these kind of like a stray IP or like kind of off the beaten path releases that you saw in the early 90s and, you know, early, I would say early to mid, early 90s to mid 2000s. Um, just going through some of the remasters that they did, uh, Turok one and two, uh, Doom 64, uh, which, which is kind of a very, I want to say a black sheep release of that franchise, uh, Shadow Man, they did a remaster of obviously System Shock, uh, one and two, they did enhanced versions of, uh, they handled the, uh, remaster of Quake and the enhanced port of Quake that was recently put out, um, that we've all played uh that obviously bethesda uh published still in one same with doom 64 uh but a lot of different like like i said kind of abandoned wear and kind of off the beaten path and why i kind of really appreciate studios like this because we get into that restoration and the ability to keep games from really really be able to keep games from falling to the tomes of history that we're starting to see kind of, and what really a lot of people who, who myself, I love physical media. Don't get me wrong, but I'm very much like, I look at my steam account, which steam is probably outside of, you know, Xbox is probably my main platform that I play on. I have a hundred or 316 games on steam, all digital, obviously like, I'm very much in the realm of like, I'm buying day one digital purchases, like, but I still love my physical media. Don't get me wrong. But like we kind of talk about the ability to save and make sure games don't get to the wayward of history that people worry about when it comes to digital releases, like what's going to happen if something gets delisted, like even just for shits and giggles, like, trust me, the game, there's a reason why it's becoming delisted and whatnot. But like Fast and Furious Crossroads that came out like two years ago is now delisted. Like, you can't go and buy that game right now. Um, And even though it is very much a, like, kind of a meme game, at the same time, too, people have worked on that. People did use that. Like, that is something that, what if there is somebody out there who fucking wants to buy that game or somebody who worked on that game who, you know, maybe not doesn't own a copy but wants to tell their kids, hey, I made this game you know, I maybe this was their one and done kind of thing in the industry, but they want to hold on to that to say, hey, this is what I did. And I want to show my kids one day they can't go and purchase that or they want to be able to play that game. And maybe they don't own a physical copy or their physical copy now, like we're seeing with, um, you know, and granted, this is Destiny. So we're talking a live service game, but like Destiny, 
the the Forsaken release of that game, the disc that they had, the Forsaken edition of that disc, is useless now because all the content in it has been vaulted. So if you plop that disc in, you're basically just putting in nothing. Like there's nothing on that disc that is showing like, hey, this content that you paid for, it's gone. Like it is gone. Like they're choosing not to let you have that content anymore. Um, that, you know, it, 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 we're starting to see this more and more kind of pop up. And I personally am still in the camp of like, there's going to be solu- long-term solutions for this because there's far too much money invested in it on all ends. But at the same time, this is why I appreciate so many studios like Night Dive Studios that they're taking these old IP, they're taking these old releases, and it's just oddball release. Like, there's games that I've thought of, like, that I talked about, I think I talked about even on the show, which, like, there's games that I remember playing, like, on an IDOS demo disc back in the day. Like, Mm -hmm. we're talking, like, late 90s, that there was a game on there that I remember playing, and I, I just had to look it up again. It's called Revenant, and it's like a Diablo clone for the most part. But it was very much more like kind of a mix of high fantasy compared to Diablo that was more gothic. Um, Then I remember playing the demo just as a kid a ton that I'm like, fuck, I love playing just that demo of that game that I've even thought back and been like, fuck, I kind of want to play that game. Like I would sit down and like give it a fair shake or I'd spend whatever it'd be five bucks on GOG to get it. But like things like that that, you know, I've had to dig around for, like, I don't think you can. Like, you would have to go mm-hmm. and buy a physical disc for it. Like, you know, same with uh, Commandos. Like, I bought for, like, it was great. It was like a, it was like two bucks or something like that. And granted, the PC port is fucking horrible, but Commandos was another game on that damn disc that I played a ton behind enemy lines. And, like, I just wanted to literally buy it to hear, like, some of the quippy things that the fucking soldiers would say whenever you click on them. Like, that I always thought this one soldier, when he clicked on them, He's French, and the way he says, he says, yes, sir. And the way he says it, though, sounds like he says, you suck. And, like, when I was a kid, I always thought he said, you suck. So I wanted to hear it. So I paid, luckily, I was able to pay $2 to spend five minutes playing this game. But for the fact that, like, I wanted to be able to physically do that. And studios like Night Dive are the reason why we're able to kind of do that. And I'm able to do that. And I would rather, even if it is just for a meme, spend the $2 to go and do that, like, but for the fact that I will always invest my money into those kind of things because they're preserving the history of video games at the end of the day, large or small, no matter what people worked on this game, people put their livelihood into this game and their, you know, talent that they have into this game at one point that if we don't have studios like night dive 10 years from now, what's to say the game that you're playing might not be available, you know, long winded, I know, but (laughs) I, I, I 100% agree with everything you said, Mike. Like, it's an off-beaten game. Like, it's off-the-path game that probably nobody's heard of. Probably, who knows who will play, but the fact that it isn't available readily for somebody to go and play on Windows 10 sucks. And we need more studios like Night Dive where they were able to take its at least, um, you know, successor in Titanic, the next game that came out, uh, from Cyberflix and actually preserve that game and make it available on Steam, make it for 10 bucks or whatever. We all picked it up, you know, to be able to go in there and easily play it on Windows 10 is it's nice. Like, I just hope we see a lot more of that as we go on with some of these games that might be, you know, a lo- and I worry about that with like a lot of independent games now that come out, you know, 
games that come out and maybe a hit, but don't financially necessarily rake in the money that long term, how's their compatibility going to be? And how are they going to, you know, what if it goes to the wayside and what if it gets forgotten? You know, I just, yeah, I wouldn't know like Netflix or, right. or Hulu to pick that, that kind of stuff up yet, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and obviously Game Pass is a big answer to a lot of that, but at the end of the day, those games are only timed, you know, for there's a lot of games that are only on that service for a little bit. And it comes down to the fact of, you know, especially some of these older games that like we've even seen the big thing with dust, you know, like we've wanted mm-hmm. to replay it together. One of us have a copy of that game somewhere. We don't know where the fuck it is. We can't go and buy it. Like, unless we want to go on eBay and spend money to buy it. Like you could do it that way, but there's a finite amount of, these retro games left like they're not producing this stuff they're not producing more cartridges of the legend of zelda ocarina of time like when that goes it goes and granted luckily we have accessible ways to get that though nintendo likes to try their fucking damnedest to make sure you don't at times (laughs) like we still have access to those games so it's not as bad but what's going to happen when they pull the plug on that stuff one day potentially who knows I don't think they will, because if they're smart, people will buy that shit. There's people I know that own literally Super Mario Brothers on every possible platform that Nintendo's put out. Like, they keep buying it just because, hey, I may want to play Super Mario Brothers, and I'm able to get it on this platform. Platform, Luckily, fuck it. Okay, sure. Just so in case one day all these platforms stop supporting it, hopefully one of them can, and they can preserve it, you know? It's just fucking wacky. But... Anyways, yes, I've been hyped as well to play that. It's I'm excited to play more of Titanic, hopefully tonight, um, or at least in the next couple of days. But I, uh, on my end, at least with stuff I've been playing, I'm I'm more. I think I've been more like you recently, and you like we were very much in like switched roles, Mike, where you're playing a handful of different things. Like usually, that's my forte. I'm fucking dipping and diving in and out of shit. Where mm-hmm. I've been balls deep into a fucking Fallout Four replay. Like I finished my main playthrough that. I always I normally if I'm just playing, I usually I I go in and I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know who I'm going to side with at the end of this shit. But I always end up side, like if I go with my gut with things and how like I truly would react to certain things, I'm always going with the railroad just for the fact of I, I, I'm a Star Wars fan. Grew up. You always got to side with the rebels. Like I'm always mm-hmm. with Luke Skywalker and Leia. And, you know, I'm always siding with them. And that's very much how I feel when I play Fallout 4 and I side with the railroad, but went through naturally and, you know, 60 hours later, finished a nice little playthrough of that. But then I'm like, well, fuck, like, I want to go back through and, you know, for some reason, I enjoy, (laughs) I enjoy just being like, well, I got to see the end of the other ones now. Like, even though I've seen them fucking a dozen times or whatever. Like, I know the endings of these games. I've fucking played. I've gotten all the end. I've sided with the Institute. I've sided with the fucking Brotherhood of Stone. I know what happens. Like, but I'm like, oh, what if I just play this on the side now and just kind of keep going? And like, I haven't gotten all the achievements on this platform yet. Like, and I'm an, and I'm an Elder Scrolls guy like you, Mike. Like, I, I, I just don't know what the fuck is into me right now. But... I've been balls deep into that. I, I, I'll i be wrapping it up probably soon uh, because there's other stuff that's going to come out that I know I want to play. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to, I thought I would be like yearning to start it right after, um, mm-hmm. start right after I've wrapped up uh, at least the main playthrough that I want to do a Fallout 4 right now. Um, but I dipped my toe in and dipped it out because I was like, yeah, I want to, I was kind of like, oh, fuck, you know what? I'm going to go through and, 
uh, work on more of the achievements, at least on Steam uh, with Fallout, because for some reason I've played it more on console than on PC, which is weird with Bethesda games with me. Um, but I wanted to start a replay of the Arkham series. So I like <laughs> I like booted up Arkham Asylum and was like this and I was playing on, you know, 165 hertz monitor, you know, in to me, that combat is unbelievable because I've only ever played them on console, I believe. Um, yeah, because I own them on console. But I was like, anything now, I just want to, over the past like five years, I'm like, I want to play on PC now that I have a PC that can kick a lot of ass. Like, I want to play it on that. So mm-hmm. I'm playing it. That You know that combat. You're a big fan of Arkham. Like, that combat's fucking buttery smooth when you're playing it at high frame. So I'm like, this is feeling great. I'm eventually going to get back to that, I think, next. But uh, that'll suck me in because I'm going to go through and play Asylum City Origins and Night just because I have to. Once I start those games, I have to like play through all of them because uh, they're kind of they're only probably about you can get in and out. And I want to say probably f- for all four of those, probably 50 hours like they're not that long. Like you could get in and out the whole series in 50 hours or so um, if you're just kind of like sticking to the golden path going through the games. But uh at the same time, I'm a Batman freak. So like, I love it going through and finding all the Riddler trophies and things like that. But, um, and then the other thing too, I think I mentioned it last week that we were probably going to start it. Um, Molly and I were playing, doing a playthrough of Firewatch, uh, from camp, uh, the team over at Campo Santos came out. Uh, God, how long ago was that? That came out. No, it's going to bug me. I got to look it up. Um, Firewatch. Camp- uh, when did that come out? 2016 okay yeah i thought it was right around there uh but we're playing it on console i've only ever played on pc uh and it's one of my favorite favorite like just standalone pieces of media actually i would say in the past generation like past decade uh i think it's beautifully told uh i will always recommend for people to get it it's always dirt cheap on steam sales and whatnot um but and it always it always makes me sad when I think of Campo Santos and where they're at now. Almost bittersweet because I'm happy that Valve has purchased them now. They're a part of Valve. They're a subsidiary of Valve. Um, that I'm happy for them because they are an incredibly talented team and now they have a lot of resources behind them that they can do that. But at the same time, they've been very much like their next project they were going to put out in the Valley of the Gods. Uh, I remember they put out a trailer for that at the game awards in 2017 i want to say something like that um really stylish egyptian uh almost looked like treasure hunting game um that i was all into molly was all into because she loves egyptian stuff so like we were both excited for that uh and that has pretty much been put on ice because now they are very much balls deep into i know they were helping with the back end of half-life alex's development and then kind of got pushed onto a couple different projects. So from what I've heard, that game is kind of put on, or that project's put on ice now. Um, but hopefully we do see that eventually come back because it's, I love their art style that they put into their games. Um, so it's a beautiful game. If you can go pick it up, very short. I recommend playing it once in a, you could probably do it in, I don't know, three hours tops. Like it's one of those games you could just sit down and hammer out. Um, and I think you would really like it, Mike, just for the fact of it is very much going out, being in a national park 
and having a mystery kind of unfold around you. And very much like we both in scouts, you much more than I, but grew up enjoying the outdoors where we live mm-hmm. and whatnot. Like it plays off of that bump in the night feeling, but not, not in the sense of like more so of a childish wonder perspective um, that you kind of have as a kid, but at the same time freaks you out as an adult, but you got to kind of stay tough at the same time. Like it, you get what I'm saying? Like you have those feelings when you're out there in the woods and it's starting to get dark, but at the same time, like it's, it's a great mystery involved with it. It's not freaky, but it's unsettling at times, but it's just an absolutely great game. Uh, definitely recommend it to anyone, but yeah, we're playing through that on, uh, on from game pass on console right now, but really enjoying that. But anywho, Mike, Let's get into our big topics for you, this. Go ahead. Go. Uh, never mind. I'm jumping the gun. I just want to interrupt real quick. We will get on. I swear. I know this has been taking forever. Oh, no. But, I, um, I fucking talked way too long. You talk. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Um, I will say that, like, I know this is a gaming um, pod, but I know there's probably a lot of people out there that, um, you know, they I would say that you a lot of the people that would listen to this podcast probably have an interest in stranger things. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to say, like I've been taking in other forms of media mm-hmm. because me and Kristen did a rewatch of season three. Nice. And then I was like, you know what? Like, so now we're rewatching season one and then we'll go to season two. I know we're kind of doing it backwards, but, oh, fuck it. um, you know, with season four coming out, which we are so fucking excited for yes. finally. Um, you know, I, I just hope that everyone enjoys that. And it is, what you were wanting or what you were expecting, you know, whatever that is, hopefully, you know, you enjoy it and uh, hopefully they have a successful season. I'm confident that it'll be good. They've had enough time to make it good, I would think. Mm -hmm. Um, And all their seasons have been just bangers and they've all gotten, you know, better as we've gone. So hopefully, um, you know, hopefully it stays true with this iteration of season four and everyone enjoys it. Mm hmm. No, definitely. And I'm super excited for that. The fact that, and granted, I'm I'm more of a Star Wars guy, obviously, but so I'm super excited for this. But the fact that we're getting both Stranger Things 4 and Obi-Wan on the same Mm -hmm. day, like granted, uh, Stranger Things outside of the the back two episodes of the season, the rest are coming out or dropping at midnight, right? Yeah, so it's kind of doing a release like um, Ozark did, where it's like part of season four is coming out at the same time, and then they're releasing a little bit more at the end. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, Obi-Wan is a little different. They're doing the first two episodes tomorrow, and then it'll do weekly for... But I think there's only five episodes of that, so it's going to kind of be in and out. But yeah, dude, it's going to be... take And usually, we're obviously, you know, the gaming guys a bit, but... At the same time, too, like I'm fucking hyped to just sit in front of my fucking TV this weekend and just fucking Literally. <laughs> like I, my ass ain't going outside. I don't care if it's Memorial Day. My ass ain't going outside. I don't care if the dog got it. Oh, I want to go for what? No, 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 no. You're going to sit your yeah. ass up here, pup. She just looked at me like the fuck's wrong with you. <laughs> uh, anywho, yeah, that's going to be a great weekend for just entertainment in general. It's going to be great. Um Anywho, let's get into the big topics for this week. And this one kind of broke today when I was putting together the show. And it was kind of one of those weeks that I was like, not gloom and doom around stuff. Um, And obviously, there'll be something I want to address at the end of the show uh, before we wrap up. But um, 
in terms of the video games, at least. Um, I don't want to say it's gloom and doom necessarily since the delays of Starfield and Redfall. Uh, but at the same time, too, it's been relatively quiet. And I think it's very much still like Xbox is planning a lot of things coming up for their um, you know, summer showcase and whatnot that's coming up on the 12th of June. So it makes sense that we're not necessarily hearing you know a ton of stuff. Uh, and that we're going to probably hear a lot of stuff, obviously, whenever we uh, get to June 12th. But it's been relatively, I think, people have been wanting to hear something that is a little more positive or a little more like, hey, we're seeing more advancement for the future and what's going on with Xbox and their ecosystem and yada, yada. And it finally, I think, kind of happened a little bit. I don't want to say this is like, oh, yes, we're getting something day one exclusive, yada, yada. But I think this is really exciting for just gaming in general across the board for people. Um, and this comes, this is an exclusive coming from Windows Central, uh, Jez Corden over there, who does a ton of great work for them. Uh, a great follow on Twitter if you're just interested in gaming from a fan's perspective uh, and you want to get kind of more inside baseball and what's going on potentially, especially on the Microsoft end. Follow Jez. He does great work. Um, but this is an exclusive out of them. And we've talked about this for a long time, but we're finally, I think, getting some concrete info on it. Microsoft continues to iterate on an Xbox cloud streaming device codenamed Keystone. Like I said, this comes from Jez Corden over at Windows Central. For a few years, rumors have persisted that Microsoft was exploring building some form of streaming stick to offer Xbox cloud gaming via a more affordable dongle similar to Chromecast and Google Stadia. The first hint was Project Hobart. More recently, a code name uh, a code named Keystone appeared on it or in an Xbox OS list, lending fire to rumors that Microsoft was continuing to explore additional hardware for the Xbox lineup. We can now confirm that this is indeed true, and it pertains to a modernized HDMI streaming device that runs Xbox Game Pass and its cloud gaming service. Microsoft is, however, taking exploring additional iterations of the product before it takes it to market. In a statement provided to Windows Central, a Microsoft spokesperson described to its uh, commitment to lowering boundaries to Xbox content via low-cost hardware while acknowledging that the existing version of Keystone needs a little more time uh, to bake before going live. Quote, Our vision for Xbox Cloud Gaming is unwavering. Our goal is to enable people to play the games they want on the devices they want anywhere they want. As announced last year, we've been working on a game streaming service or a game streaming device, I'm sorry, codenamed Keystone that could be connected to any TV or monitor without the need for a console, a Microsoft spokesperson stated. As part of any technical journey, we are constantly evaluating our efforts, reviewing our learnings and ensuring we are bringing value to our customers. We have made the decision to pivot away from the current iteration of the Keystone device. We will take our uh, learnings and refocus our efforts on a new approach that will allow us to deliver Xbox Cloud Gaming to more players around the, the world in the future. From what we understand, Keystone has been in development for a couple of years, with Microsoft continuing to finalize the product's feature set. To speculate, Keystone could eventually run some sort of slimmed-down Windows or, X, or Xbox OS, given that Keystone originally appeared in the OS list alongside the different Xbox platforms like Era and Game OS. Utilizing Windows instead of an alternative or of instead of alternatives like Android, would allow Microsoft to offer its own streaming media apps like Microsoft Movies and TV. Although using Android OS, OSP would potentially be a quicker route to market, leaning on apps like Netflix and perhaps Spotify. 
The exact timeline for Keystone remains unclear, but I wouldn't expect to see it anytime soon, particularly not at the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase coming up on June 12th. A low cross streaming device makes sense, uh, makes obvious sense from a business perspective as Microsoft pushes to bring Xbox Game Pass to more households who perhaps haven't, uh, aren't interested in owning a full blown console. Microsoft has also previously hinted at bringing TV apps for Xbox Cloud Gaming as well, which would lower the barrier even further. Either way, I'm excited to see what Keystone will look like in action once it's ready. So we've talked about this multiple times on the show about. Mm game streaming where's it going what is the next step for microsoft because and i think really too it started with i remember doing impressions on the show i want to say it was 2019 maybe it was right i got into the beta for uh i can't even what was it called i can't remember what it was called the uh xCloud. It was just Project yeah. xCloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i remember getting into the beta of that right when it went off i might have even been the alpha um that because I had an Android phone at the time, they were like, you, you're getting in. Like, easy, it was easy to get in. Um, so I lucked out, I was able to give impressions on that. And I remember being really blown away at the latency and how easy or how quick it was compared to a lot of, um, you know, devices like I'm a big fan of, or at least I was at the time uh, when I was using it a lot, using a lot more. Now I'm, now it seems like when I do go mobile, I'm using more, obviously, uh, Game Pass on my mobile device and whatnot. But I was a big fan of remote play on PlayStation and still am when I need to use it, I guess. But um, but even the latency on that and like Steam Link and stuff like that, even though Steam Link's gotten better, um, the latency on it is very noticeable compared to the other ones. So I've always been a big fan of knowing how how their technology they're using with the Azure cl uh, cloud servers and whatnot, like knowing how much they're putting into the tech behind that and knowing that really between outside of them and Google, they're the ones who can do it. They are Microsoft and Google are the two, uh, two entities in tech that can do this right. Um, and have the, not only the technology to do it in house, but also to the capital to be able to do something like that um, and really push it, you know, wide. And I've always, we've been talking about like, you know, what's the next step? And logically it was getting some kind of device in the home that isn't a console, a streaming stick, a dongle, something like that, that continues to lower that barrier and stick to more of, Hey, this is, this may, you know, this will be maybe a secondary option for people, but for you who is, you know, I don't own a console. I just play games on my phone. Um, I only have, you know, half hour a day to play games, yada, yada. This is the device that let us open the door for you kind of thing. Um, and that feeds into Microsoft's whole approach to really this generation, quote unquote, of Xbox becoming this ecosystem and platform instead. Um, so it, it's obvious that this was on the way. It was obvious that it was inevitable that we were going to see something like this. But it's good to know that we have confirmation that this thing is in the works, but more so that this is now kind of being reworked a little bit. Um, and that's interesting to me because that also makes me think, you know, what's next for really game streaming in general? Where are we going with it? What's, you know, happening? And Mike, I kind of want to get your opinion on this. What do you see with this device in terms of, I'm curious 
And Jez kind of brought it up at the end of the article about the TV apps as well. Where do you see Microsoft's, I guess I want to say like priority in a way on cloud gaming, because it's clearly a, you know, tentpole to their mission statement and their, you know, mission as a company within gaming right now of accessibility, accessibility, accessibility in terms of you being able to easily get this. Do you see this really being something that they're okay waiting on knowing that, Hey, we have multiple avenues to get this on. And, you know, what are you, is this something you're going to eventually get into just for the sole fact of it just being super easy to be able to plug this into your TV and Hey, I want to play something while I'm on the road or, you know, on vacation or whatever, like at night at the beach or whatever, and nobody's doing anything. Is this something that you think a lot of people are going to be interested in who already have consoles? Yeah. Um, I I could see it being, you know, really succeeding based on kind of the situations that you laid out. Um, I can think of like whenever I go on vacation anywhere, I like to take my fire stick because it's just so easy. Mm-hmm. It's so lightweight. It's so easy to set up, um, you know, and then as long as you can connect it to Wi-Fi, you can get whatever you really want. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, that just makes too much sense to do it. And it's so convenient. Um, as far as like usability with, you know, with, uh, cloud gaming, um, I also got a little bit of a test cause I was still working in, uh, the mobile industry, um, whenever that was, you know, kind of coming out and, and people were playing it. And, uh, my Samsung rep actually had the X cloud and I got to play it. And I had the same feelings that you had where like, I just wasn't that impressed with, obviously the latency issues and things of that nature. And it made like shooters basically unplayable. If you're someone who takes it with Mm -hmm. any level of seriousness. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I felt like there was a lot to kind of, there was a long way to go. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is something that, you know, like you said, if I am going to go to the beach and I want to, you know, just play something, um, because games like Oblivion and Morrowind are on game pass now. Thank God. Yeah. And like those streaming and they're all game streaming too. Yeah. And those would be like literally pretty much perfect games to play while you're on the go with something that's so lightweight and easy to, you know, kind of use. So, um, yeah, I mean, to me, it definitely seems like a huge win. Um, and, for myself, um, I can honestly say, like, I guess if you're Microsoft and you're worried about having games like come out that people aren't going to be able to play if they a can't afford like computer games mm-hmm. or uh, uh, like gaming computers um, or b like because of your supply chain issues, I guess this is one way that you can just kind of get rid of the supply chain issue by coming out with something like this. So mm-hmm. for Microsoft, it's really, um, you know, all signs kind of, you know, pointed towards this happening, especially whenever they came out with um, Project X Cloud. Like, you mm-hmm. knew this was in the works. Yeah. Um, it's just nice to finally see it kind of come to fruition. And I am excited to see um, where it goes. Personally, I, I do see myself, depending on the price point, picking it up. Mm-hmm. Of course, Fire Sticks are only like $20. So like, it's not a huge deal to go buy a fire stick, right? Right. But 
um, you know, obviously this is going to be more expensive than that. Mm -hmm. So it'll depend on, you know, cost and everything. And if it makes sense for me, because if it's going to be like a hundred bucks, I might as well just spend 500 on an Xbox one yeah. X whenever it's like, whenever I can finally just go into the store and get it, which like, who knows when that's going to be. But like, honestly, that's basically the only reason I really haven't picked up an Xbox one X yet is like, I have it on PC. I would like to get an Xbox, uh, series x mm -hmm. um but it's just so hard to get and it's just not worth it for me to like i'm not paying a scalper yeah like i'm not paying scalping prices first and foremost that's not gonna happen secondly like i'm not like i've already done stupid things where i bought into like gamestop pro to even just have a chance and then the bots get them so fast yeah. like i'm just not doing it so when i can get it in store i'll buy it um and if it's gonna be like a hundred or so bucks we'll see i would have to like actually get to test it and see like how the latency function it or how the latency is functioning and everything mm -hmm. um to make a, a full decision on it but just to like kick back and play some oblivion on vacation or something would be awesome right yeah and and that's kind of where i'm at too like i remember when we went to the beach last year i took i bought one of the uh the clips for your controller to put your phone on and everything like mm -hmm. that um, I was like, this will be perfect to take. So I don't have to necessarily, I still brought my laptop cause we had to record the show and whatnot. But, um, I was like, if I want to play something, it's so great because I have, you know, cloud streaming, I have game pass ultimate right on my phone. I'll just get one of those clips. It'll work great. Yada, yada. And it was nice to be able to just do that right in my bed, like at night or in the morning before we head out to like, you know, be normal people and social and whatnot, like, and not be hermits like myself. Like, you know, it, it's nice to have something like that and the ease and, you know, ease of access to just boom, pull it up right on my phone. But even better, like, like you were saying, unless you're, you know, unless you're very, you know, just laid back, you're not going to play something that is super competitive on there. And I've always been a big, uh, big proponent of the best way to play a lot of like uh turn-based rpgs and stuff like this is great that is a great option for that but having something like this that is much more of a it's a very it's a much more i think handshake approach meet in the middle of streaming and home console where mm -hmm. most people want to traditionally sit down in front of a tv and play or in front of their computer or whatever you know but most people who want to play AAA video games or play the traditional form of a video game want to do so in front of a, you know, traditional size screen. Like they want to be able to sit on their couch, play a game. And this makes a lot of sense for those people who, hey, I like I'm with you. If it's a reasonable price, like I'll probably pick one up because like you said, Chromecast, Fire Stick, stuff like that. They're next to nothing to go and get like. Mm -hmm. They're easy to just walk into a store. I I think I had to shell out when we bought our new TV. Um, we used to the Bravia that we still have, but that's upstairs now um, and was originally going on the Fritz. But we bought a new TV last year, uh, but I was able to fix it. So now we have two TVs. But <laughs> um, the TV that we did buy didn't have it has, you know, all kinds of streaming capabilities built in. But the thing I loved about my Bravia was it had Google TV, which had Chromecast built into it. So we had to go buy another Chromecast and whatnot. So I went and bought the Chromecast 4K and it was like, I think 50 bucks or something like that. Like mm -hmm. next to nothing to go walk in and get that. Like that's a great option for people that 
Now I can just have that when we go to the beach, when we go on vacation, when I have to go, if I have to travel for work or something like that, I just throw it in my bag. Cool. We're good. Like, and I could throw any, I loved, you know me, I love to watch fucking YouTube videos. So like all kinds of, all my favorite content creators, I could throw up, you know, cast right to my screen and whatnot. That's great. The thing though, that does kind of temper me a little bit with that, and I'm with you, is finding that price point. And I think that is maybe more so what they're kind of waiting on. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, from a technological standpoint, they're trying to figure out what is the best, but I think more so it's going to be a price point thing because that's that's the hard thing to try to find with that because you can, like, you can go and, like, on uh, Chromecast, like, you're able to get Steam Link right on there. There's just a built-in app on it. It works great. I've done, I've played games that way. I've, and especially too, like, if it's something like uh, the Jackbox games or anything like that, that is super laid back, that you're not, you definitely don't need any kind of like over the top input or uh, latency, like input issues or anything. You're not worried about that. Like, it's great to do it on. It is really simple. I've even played like The Witcher and shit like that at times where I just wanted to like, you know, go down instead of playing on my PC, like and didn't want to start a new save on like one of my consoles. Like I'll just pull up, you know, steam link on there and it works fine. It does. You know, I, we have a wired connection to our TV and you know, our Wi-Fi is overall pretty great in the house. Like it works fine. As long as you're, you know, you don't have like fucking Carl Breton and Anna Lutsky's internet, like download porn at 16 kilobits per second. Like you're going to be okay. Like you're going to be fine. So the big thing I think with this is more so from just an R&D standpoint or or just kind of wanting to get consumer feedback on this, that I'm sure they're doing tests on this now and consumer tests and doing consumer research in general on it to see how people are doing. That They're probably looking at the data that they're getting from, you know, all of their Game Pass Ultimate users or their, you know, uh, cloud streaming or cloud gaming users like finding out what they use, how they use it, how long they use it, what are, what devices do they use it most on. I mean, now that you're able to just get play cloud gaming right on your desktop browser, I'm able to just go, unfortunately, I have to go on fucking Microsoft Edge. And nobody wants to fucking do Microsoft, use Microsoft Edge. It's like Ash Jeeves. Like, nobody wants to fucking use Ash Jeeves. So, like, the fact that <laughs> Does I... Does that even still exist? I don't know, look it up. I, I, I wonder, actually... <laughs> Ash Jeeves. Well, okay, so it's ash.com now. Oh, okay, well. Well, there's still, but, and somebody must have used, somebody out there bought the domain to ashjeeves.net and just rerouted it, basically just fucking, like, put a coat of paint over it and redirects it to a Google search. So if you type nice. in something, it just does a Google search for somebody. But the fact that Ash Jeeves, that I guess is still somebody felt that there was some weight to that a little bit, you know, hey, teach their own. But now it's ass.com, I guess. But even then, okay, who uses ass.com? <laughs> like, no everyone just fucking Googles it. <laughs> so the so point being, like, nobody fucking wants to use Microsoft Edge. Stop make, trying to make Microsoft Edge happen. Anyways, though, but you're if you want to play in your browser, you got to fucking pull up Microsoft Edge, but you can still play it in your browser. Um but point being, the fact that you're able to so easily access a lot of this stuff, it does bear the question of, though, does this device, 
really fit long term into a plan where if it's going to cost a or it's going to cost a consumer 100 bucks at market do we really go all in on this thing do we really put all the bells and whistles in or do we peel back and make it something like hey it's not going to be 4k it's not going to be you know you can't uh hardwire uh, there's no dongle that accepts a hardwire into it there's you know we're cutting corners on ways we can to get this to you just as another option for 30 to 50 dollars compared to or we bundle you know hey we'll do a bundle like stadia where we sell you a controller uh a three-month card for game pass ultimate and this thing for a hundred bucks you know like where something like that may make more sense um that's where i'm kind of interested in because it's so easy to access this stuff where does a tv app just make more sense if we're going that route um that do we need to throw all this money into doing a you know a 4k version of what is essentially a chromecast um for game streaming does that make more sense to put all this money into if 75 percent of our users if they're going to use prefer an xbox app over this do we put all that money into do we you know i i think that's more of the more of the side of what they're kind of waiting on i would think because it sounds like they've had the the like at least the thesis of this thing in probably what is a prototype of this thing done for quite a while from what it sounds like um they've had some version of this game or game of this piece of hardware done that they've just now want to just go back to you know hey we're going back not to the drawing board but we're peeling back a couple layers of this on how to approach this and i think that's the bigger question of this personally um but at the same time too it's streaming rules all i mean in everything we were we were just talking about like everything about streaming in general right now it's going to be i mean that's going to be the new digital at the end of the day the streaming games is going to be the new physical versus digital conversation where we're going to have hey are you just buying your games or are you streaming them slash using game pass like that's going to be the conversation we have at the end of the day with a lot of this. So I don't know. Uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of see where this goes and what this comes out in terms of a price point at, um, and just what this thing is in general. I, I would hope that it would be like, I would think at the very most, you can't charge more than $70 for this thing alone. Right. Like, or hell, even like, I don't think it should be more than, I don't think it should be more than the cost of a AAA video game, personally, um, unless you're bundling in something, unless you're doing a controller, Game Pass, and the dongle bundle for like a hundred bucks or something like that. Like that to me is where that makes the most sense or 120 or whatever you want to, whatever the price of it would be where that more I think is the more feasible thing. Or even if that's all they sell it as like, uh, you know, the dongle or the bundle and, or just the bundle. Like I could see them going that route, but even then I, I just think while I probably am one of those people that I would pick it up and probably just for the show to be able to give some impressions on it and whatnot. Cause I'm sure that there is a pocket of our audience who does, you know, use cloud gaming and probably does have that. And it says, you know, well, fuck, I'm on the road a lot. I'm, 
you know, I I don't want to drag my console back and forth, uh, you know, between, you know, my living room and my man cave and whatever. Like, I could just throw a dongle in the spare bedroom or whatever and play there or whatever, you know, like that makes a lot more sense. And there is an audience for that. So we'll see. But it's it's hard to kind of picture this thing really being anything more than just a kind of kind of like it, I think this will be a nice thing to have a launch, but I don't I think cloud streaming for games is still going to dominantly be on your mobile device. I think that is going to just continue to take the cake with everything uh, everything that goes on with cloud gaming and Microsoft and whatnot. But anywho, though, Mike, um, one thing that I did want to bring up, there were a couple more stories that I was kind of looking at. Uh, while uh, we were getting ready for the show today and whatnot. Um, but two kind of small stories that I want to bring up. One definitely here, but one more that uh, I want to just kind of mention at the back end of the show. But um, real quick, though, that I think is interesting because we're kind of going to get into this cool debate. Uh, both, I guess it's cool and kind of weird at the same time, but uh, Dead Space Creator says it is quote-unquote weird feeling to not be a part of the remake. This comes from Taylor Lyles, over at IGN, as always, link in the description for all the links we or all the articles we pull from for the show. Dead Space creator Glenn Schofield recently shared his feelings on Dead Space on the Dead Space remake, including that he feels a quote bit weird not involved being involved in the upcoming project. Speaking with Game Informer, Schofield said that he took the announcement of Dead Space remake as a compliment and is glad that the franchise was given quote a second life, but was still kind of bummed not to be involved with the upcoming title. Quote, I took the announcement as a compliment. I still do take it as a compliment. I'm still kind of bummed about it too, though. Uh, there's still, or there's this weird, weird thing, like you're not attached to your own game, Schofield told Game Informer. It's a weird feeling. They want to make a game better than the one you made. Schofield served as the creative and executive producer of Dead Space 20, er, from 2008 while he was employed at Visceral Games and provided creative input on Dead Space 2 before leaving, to co er, leaving the studio to co-found Sledgehand Sledgehammer Games in 2009. However, Schofield was not involved with 2013's Dead Space 3. The remake of the original game was announced last year, and Schofield made it clear that he hopes the new Dead Space succeeds. Quote, I do wish them well because I want to see the game for it, or I want to see the franchise live. That's where I, uh, where I want to be. I want to play it. I want them to do well. I'm glad the franchise is now given second light. Since his departure from, 20, uh, from EA, Schofield has report, uh, repeatedly shared his thoughts about Dead Space. In 2019, during an interview with Ars Technica, Schofield opened up about the development of the original Dead Space, telling the outlet he enjoyed making the game, that it was, quote, real, a real highlight in his career, and notes that towards the end, that hopefully he would make one of those games again. While Schofield isn't Oh, I accidentally hit the back button out of there. While Schofield is not working on Dead Space, Striking Distance Studios' upcoming sci-fi uh, survival horror game, The Callisto Project, which is part of the PUBG universe, believe it or not, bears major similarities to his previous creation. In the Game Informer article, Schofield addresses those similarities head-on. I'm not going to shy away from a good idea because it was one of my games. All the game makers look at the ideas from other games. Picasso said, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Well, why not steal from myself? Callisto Project is currently in development and aiming for a 2022 release. When Schofield announced it, uh, it in late 2020, he told us that he was trying to make, quote, the scariest game on next-gen platforms. 
and the Dead Space remake is slated to release on January 27th, 2023. So I say it's kind of weird because it is one of those, the Callisto project is coming out and it it almost has that avowed feel, the avowed uh, Obsidian and Bethesda Elder Scrolls feel where very much avowed seemed to be very much in the in the line of a Elder Scrolls title when it was announced. First person, RPG, very much leaning into the tropes of high fantasy and whatnot. This was very much a, okay, we can't have the Elder Scrolls, we'll make our own kind of thing. So when the Callisto project is announced in the end of 2020, and we see this is being made from the original Craters of Dead Space, and it is clear that it is taking inspirations from Dead Space, uh, that you see this and you think, okay, cool. Well, if we can't have a new entry in the Dead Space franchise, we'll make our own. We'll do whatever. We'll we'll make this some kind of spiritual successor in a way to this. And then later in the following year, we get the announcement of the Dead Space remake. So, <laughs> you know, it, it it's one of those things where it's like, it feels like, you know, kind of like, okay, well, you guys aren't do this. Bet we'll do our own. Okay, well, bet we'll mm-hmm. just fucking, we'll just make another one of those games then. Fine. Like, you know, they're kind of pushed so far to it. So um, just want to get your thoughts real quick, Mike. Where do you stand on both these games? Are you excited for a Dead Space remake? I know you're not the biggest Dead Space guy, but you are a horror. The biggest Dead Space guy. I've never even played them. Right, exactly. So that's why I'm saying, like, is this going to be your entry? I've talked about how much I like these games. Is this going to be, you're a big horror fan, though. You're a big horror game fan. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be one of those that like, yeah, I'm fucking going in and playing this, you know, streaming this game, yada, yada. Like, this is a game that I'm going to catch this time around. Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, you know, with it, you know, getting it's getting remade, correct? Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't a remaster. So, this is from the ground up remake. OK, so, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, whenever something like that is remade and if i miss it the first time around i'm a lot more i'm not the type of person that's like snobby about the graphics or anything mm-hmm. but i'm a lot more uh susceptible to playing through a game uh if it's going to get a complete and total ground up remake so i'm excited for it i'm excited to you know stream it potentially and uh enjoy it that way um and yeah i mean we'll see what happens uh overall personally um like i said it's kind of a blind spot for me mm-hmm. and and that's unfortunate because I've heard really good things about it, not oh, just from great. you, but from a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so hopefully this will fill that blind spot and I'll be able to enjoy it and, you know, uh, get to experience Dead Space in all of its glory. So I didn't mean to start laughing whenever you're talking. It wasn't about that, but uh, I pop up on Twitter just to because I saw some of my notifications popping up. And <laughs> as we're talking about this game and kind of laughing, oh, it ta- the, the Callisto project, the basically spiritual successor to dead space from the original creator kind of deal that funny enough, it takes place in the PUBG universe. Glenn Schofield actually just put a tweet out saying FYI at the Callisto game (laughs) is its own story and world. It no longer takes place in the PUBG universe. It was originally part of the PUBG timeline, but grew into its own world. PUBG is awesome. And we still have, uh, we will still have little surprises for fans, but the Callisto project is its own world story and universe. So, we don't have to we can just laugh at that now and be like <laughs> dead space and PUBG. OK, that was fun while it lasted. I'm glad it's out of there now. But yeah, the fact that <laughs> this fucking came out right as we're talking. So, yeah, it's no longer in PUBG. Um, 
but no, I think really, like, if you have any interest in Dead Space at all, uh, and not just you, Mike, but anybody, if you have interest in Dead Space, just horror games in general, right up your alley. If you were a big fan of the uh, remakes of Resident Evil 2, especially, and 3, um, that style of survival horror, uh, third-person over-the-shoulder survival horror, then you're going to love this game. It's... It, the original still holds up very well. I just played it like two years ago, two or three years ago. Um, and I was even telling Molly, we need to replay it. But then once they announced that the remake's coming out in January, I was like, yeah, fuck it. I can wait. I can wait. Um, I'll just wait for that and get the full experience of, you know, completely new graphics and 4k and all that jazz, but definitely, definitely not one to, uh, pass up on real quick. But, uh, outside of that too, um, I did want to bring up, uh, just as we kind of round out the show, there's one other uh, thing that I did want to bring up that I think is really important uh, overall, and that's that we finally officially have our first major union within the video games industry. And I know we talked about it recently uh, coming out of Raven Softwork, the QA workers were officially voting to unionize. That did go through. And so now we do have our official first union within the games industry. Uh, real quick, Rebecca Valentine, I thought, wrote up a really good article over at IGN as well um, that I just want to run through real quick about, uh, like I said, Raven Software being uh, having the privilege of being and having the first union within the video game industry with its QA workers. Uh, like I said, links in the description and everything. A group of quality assurance employees at Raven Software or Software have officially voted in favor of unionization with the National Labor Relations Board with a final vote total of 19-4 and 3 against. The vote count was announced today over uh, an official webcast meeting. Approximately 28 employees were considered eligible to vote, 24 were submitted, and two of the votes were changed and rendered invalid. The remaining group voted to legally uh, form the Game Workers Alliance, making it the first North American video game union at a AAA gaming company. Indie studio Vodia Games unionized late last year. This move legally allowed members of the Game Workers Alliance to bargain with Activision Blizzard management over their employment contract, a process we are likely to see unfold in the coming weeks and months. But at this moment, it seems unlikely that the publisher will make this process easy. The company has reportedly been actively discouraging Graven Software employees from voting in favor of the union, both through town halls and official emails, and a Bloomberg report from earlier today indicates that the NLRB is readying an official complaint suggestion uh, suggesting their threats were illegal union busting. Quote, our biggest hope is that our that our union serves as inspiration for the growth mo growing movement of workers union are organizing at video game studios to create better games and build workplaces that reflect our values and powers all of us, said Game Workers Alliance in an official statement. We are uh, we look forward to working with management to uh, positively shape our working conditions and the future of Activision Blizzard through a strong union contract. Uh, and just kind of rounding that out today, I. Uh, uh, Phil Spencer says he will recognize the Raven, uh, Raven Software Union once the acquisition with uh, Blizzard and Activision is complete. Uh, obviously, want to make sure all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted before they jump into that. But uh, just as we round out the show, Mike, I just wanted to bring this up because that's big news. Um, we always are very vocal about uh, at least having the ability to unionize and having the ability to, uh, you know, be pro worker and no matter what, having that ability um to do so so uh this is a big deal and 
Uh, Mike, any thoughts on this? Just kind of as we wrap up the show, uh, mm-hmm. just the fact that there's finally a move at a large scale triple A level of unionization and representation. Yeah. Um, for me, um, it's, it's a big part of my history. Um, my grandfather was in a co-workers union whenever he moved here from Slovakia, uh, here being America. And, you know, I see a lot of positives with unions, but I'm not naive enough to believe that like all unions are perfect. So I don't want anyone to like kind of have that mentality that like, you know, there's obviously a lot of people that are on one side and people that are on the other. I just think that whenever you're a collective group, um, there are some negatives, like sometimes people that might not be the best at their job and it might make your job a lot harder get protected because they're part of a bigger, you know, they're part of a bigger team than just themselves. Mm -hmm. And for that, that point, I can see how some people may be a little apprehensive about it, but overall, especially in a, in a, in an industry like video games, where there's a lot of money getting passed around by a lot of the top studios. And it feels like not enough of it's trickling down to where it needs to go. Um, Especially when you look at like, games that release updates that need to be rolled back or games that get released like like the new battlefield and it's just not like objectively just not a good game like it's actually objectively pitiful and a terrible effort like things like that like and again like i'm not trying to bash the people that worked on the game but like if there might have been a union there maybe there's a little bit more that can be done to protect not only the people that made the game but you know, just everything in general. So for me, um, I think it becomes a net positive. Um, and I'm happy to see that people are using their voice collectively to hopefully make them make their lives better, because that's the only way things are going to change is when you stand up and, you know, try to make them better for yourself, because no one's going to show up and try to hold your hand and baby you and, and make sure that everything's okay. Like a lot of the times you have to fight and hopefully, you know, I'm sure this isn't going to be the end of the fight. Um, uh-huh. It might be the beginning for a lot of different studios, but, um, you know, getting started anyway is uh, a really big positive, in my opinion. No, absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, that's it's it's important to have the ability to have that representation. I think just overall, whether people agree with unionization across the board or not, like you were saying, um, you know, it I, I, I can I do understand that to a degree, but having the ability there should always be the ability to have unionization there shouldn't be like was brought up in the article by rebecca like union bashing there shouldn't be any kind of you know there's but it happens so often in our in our especially our country it happens Mm. so often that you know it's not on the nose all the time but it does happen that you know and people feel pressured to not report that stuff and there should never be the threat against that uh, because at the yeah. end of the day, like people don't understand that people don't go to a job for a company. They go to, the, they go to work for themselves, like period yeah. for them to provide for uh, their family and their themselves. And it shouldn't be your life. And there should, you should have be respected going to your position. Um, and you also shouldn't be like, I know you've worked at, we've worked at similar places or the same places. Mm-hmm. Um, not at the same time, but at different times. Yeah. And there are places in the past that I've worked retail wise that are like, if you even bring up unionizing, like you'll get fired mm-hmm. basically if someone hears you talking about it. And that's just, that shouldn't be the way it is. Right. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. So anywho, Mike, I think that's going to do it for our episode this week. Why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? Talk about all we talked about unionization, obviously, which is great. Uh, 
But cloud streaming with Xbox, the Callisto Project, Dead Space, whatever, everything we talked about, preservation of games. Where can people find you on the Internet to talk about that? You can find me on Twitter at T-O-Y-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. That's Toy Soldier, but the second O is an X. Or you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. Nice. And as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelus on most internet platforms, including at Travelus underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on Twitch.tv slash Travelus underscore, same as Twitter and do you want to play some games with me? You can pretty much do so on every platform. It's travelers across the board, I think, at this point. Uh, but specifically on Xbox Live, you can do so at just regular old travelers. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe, rate, review, all of that stuff with us, all that jazz, wherever you get a podcast at. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like and our dope giveaways. With that being said, Mike, that's going to do it for our episode this week. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, sharing, and be a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.